I spent my college days throwing perfect passes and trash-talking BYU. And I spent my college career smashing Utah Utes' faces into the mud. I'm Jason Buck. And I'm Scott Mitchell. After our careers in the NFL, we still talk trash. But mostly to each other on our podcast, Rivals. We talk all things football, college, and NFL. A little bit about life and growing up rivals. Download it each week wherever you get your podcasts or on the KSL Sports app. Go Cougs! And go Utes! On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11, for Dave and Dijanovic. You know, people will manage by their bank balance, sadly, and they'll feel like they have a lot of money today and they, they plow that money into something without considering the impact of what, what that's going to do to them next week or next month or this quarter. And uh, then that creates some real issues in the business. So, um, you know, there's there's a reason that giant companies spend four or five, six months a year planning. And uh, everybody at every level should be planning and thinking about the future, whether it's cash or whether it's strategic planning, et cetera. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of our interview with Jim Bennett. Um, Jim, we talked a lot about training and consistency and progress in the first interview. Uh, one of the subjects I wanted to talk about for this second part here is something that uh, not everybody would guess that a former accountant would be awesome at, but you're kind of a sales machine. I want to I hear about your, your opinions about sales and, and your life in sales as a CEO. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a lost soul, right? I'm an accountant that had to learn how to do sales, so... Um, I am very, very passionate about sales. I'm not going to say I'm very good at it, but um, I had to spend a lot of time studying and uh, learning what what the all the recommended sales sales uh, programs are. Um, at the end of the day, it comes back to the same stuff, though. Jess, I mean, I we we took sales concepts and said, how do we do that? And initially, I said to myself, how do I do this? I don't know how to do this. And uh, look, I'll tell you one thing. If you're an entrepreneur out there and you're concerned about sales, I'm an, I'm a dumb accountant. You can learn how to do it. You can teach yourself. And uh, it's, yeah. So I have, uh, I have 25 full-time salespeople in the firm now, and it goes back to consistency and training. And we actually prefer younger people with less experience um, and prefer to train them our way. And what are some examples of what your way looks like? Um, our way is, uh, it's, it's about consistent activity every day. Um, so we, we boil down everything that we do over time and tried a bunch of experiments and said, okay, if we do these 10 or 12 activities and we do them consistently, and you can pick and choose out of those activities, which you want. And then we assign points to all of them. So that gives us leading indicators on how, how the sales activity looks. And then uh, from there, we just teach basics, how to close, how to ask for uh, the close, 
how do we do the presentations, uh, made little videos to show prospects, PowerPoints, just things to, to assist um, salespeople and even accountants in, uh, in being able to do a proper presentation. And, not, and we don't do anything like, uh, we try not to be salesy, if that makes sense. It's more just straightforward. We're here to help. We're here to provide a real solution. Here's how we do it. Let's do some discovery, find out if we can be a good fit. But there's a way to do that, and there's a way to step through it. And uh, then we spend a lot of time um, ahead of that doing lead generation and all the consistent things. So I believe, Jess, if you just get a sales program and you follow what they teach, they're very, very similar, that uh, you, will be, you will do well. Take, it, take that program and say, that's what the concept is. How do we do that? How does that apply to our our client, our customer, and good things will happen. I want to talk about this approach for a minute, though, because I think about, you know, all the different times that I've seen you, and you do not come across as that guy trying to convince me of something. I, I watch you talk to other people. You and I talk a lot. Um, and I, I want to hear about what closing looks like to you, or I want to hear more about this approach, because um, you do not like you said, it's, it's not salesy. And I see that in action. I want to hear, I'd love to hear the thought process behind that or how you would describe it. Well, I, I look again, you're, you're making me anxious, Jess, because I, <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm an accountant trying to describe this process, but um, the idea is to say, we believe in what we do because we know it makes a difference and we're very confident in that. So when we're asking for work, it's like, if you'll just spend a little bit of time with you, with us, and we can do a little bit of discovery, it should be very logical whether we can help you or not. Logic, not just logical to our, our client, but both sides. We should, we, you know, now CFO, we should know that this is a good fit and so should our client. And uh, the other thing we do, we do things that probably hurt ourselves a little bit, like say to somebody, look, just start small, just use us a little bit, see if we can earn our way in. Um, and we, we, we talk a lot about that stuff. And so... Our closes usually end up being when can we, when should we start because this makes sense rather than oh my gosh you're in love with this car you've got to buy it now and so you know I'm I'm interested um, I'm interested in what you feel like happens in the long term relationship by being willing to start small and say you know of course you show up and you hope for the big sale or your sales reps do but that willingness to start small and let let a client dip their toe in. What do you think that does for the potential of a long-term relationship? Well, I hope it, I hope it um, lets it build the way a relationship builds naturally. And that's, you know, little steps. Um, and we get closer to each other because uh, now CFO, we work at the client location probably 99% of the time for all of our hours. Um, and so we want that human relationship. And then um, I think it matters a lot. The other thing is I run a business. I like to know I'm in control of how I'm going to spend money or invest money in something. And I always want the CEO or whoever we report to, to feel like they're in control of what will happen. Yeah, I can see that this idea of, um, it's easier for people to ease into because they maintain that sense of control instead of feeling like somebody got me, right? The salesman got me. Yeah. So we don't, we don't even like to use retainers. I mean, we do in certain situations, but um, it's, it's just helpful to know, Hey, person's going to come on site. Our person's going to do the things that we talked about in discovery. And then we're going to engage and talk more as we go, but what's next um, and yeah, hopefully we can help them succeed because that's, that's really what it comes down to is we're there 
to help them succeed, not just give them some reports, but help them see their business better um, or whatever their, whatever their goal is, whether that's to raise money, whether that's to go give debt, whether that's to train someone, whether that's, yeah. And that's what's exciting, Jess. That's yeah. what gets really going. When you think about some of your clients that you have the most respect for, some of the ones that have become the most successful, what are some things you see in common between them? Um, you know, it's that's that's really interesting. So you see, you see a passion to move forward, but I see the people that I see that are really successful are really working at it every day. I um I ended up at a baseball game with a a gentleman that uh, he was very humble, but he said he built a $500 million business and sold it. And I said, wow, that's amazing. And I said, I'm sure you worked at that every day. And he said, well, I spent about 30 years before I thought about a coffee break. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I love that comment because I, I think that that epitomizes, it really epitomizes the people that do well. And, uh, you know, I could tell that he had, he had been at it every day of his life when he was in it, you know, and I'm not saying you sacrifice everything with your family or your loved ones or anything, but it takes a big commitment. It just does. Yeah. Um, going another direction, um, you know, being an organization with, you know, you started this thing, now you got over 200 employees. Uh, I'm sure the culture and how things get run evolves over time. Uh, as you look at becoming, you know, large enough organization, it gets harder to know everybody's name anymore. Um, what's your methodology or, or approach for growing leaders within the organization? Um, you're going to laugh because it comes back to the same thing. So we actually developed a leadership training program. Yeah. And so we identify up and coming employees, um, people that, uh, that we feel like are doing a great job with clients and we put them in that and spend five or six months with them, um, learning more about our culture, learning more about how we do everything and presenting the opportunity to grow into a leadership position. And is this back to the, the bite-sized pieces or what do those five or six months look like? Yes, exactly. Once or twice a week, spend about a half an hour uh, self-study and a half an hour in a workshop um, guided by some experienced people from the firm and um, a lot of it's discussions about what this could look like and learning together. Um, and uh, then if they if they come through that, um, it's okay if they choose not to move on into a leadership position because they're they're actually far better folks for their clients, far better for us. But then if they choose to move into that, then we have another program they move into. And yeah, it's, uh, I feel like a broken record, Jess, but it comes back to training and you can use a training uh, format to identify opportunities and people and, and uh, help them understand what this could look like to their life financially, but not just financially. What does it mean to them um, professionally and also how much of a commitment is it to their family? All those things. And we bring all that up. Yeah. Why do you think so many CEOs or entrepreneurs, um, why do you think that there are so many less folks that are as consistent and that are as so methodical? Why do you think that there's so much more of a chasing the latest deal or trying the new, you know, trying the, the latest fad? It's not as much fun. I mean, when you get on a training call and it's, uh, it's the beginning or end of a long week or whenever it is, and you're kind of tired, it's not very much fun. It's really fun to chase a deal. It's really fun to you know go after the new exciting thing, but um, the consistency that's not very glamorous, not very fun, that's, that's what makes the difference. So it's just not as much fun. 
yeah. certain days. Now we have a good time doing it. I don't want to diminish that. Yeah. It's not like, oh, wow, we're going to go close, you know, the new biggest client we've ever seen in our history of our business. It's just, it's different than that. Yeah. Um, tell me this, all businesses have ups and downs when, when things have, you know, when there's been a problem in the organization or you've, you've had uh, a serious situation comes up, what's, what's your approach? What's, how have you gotten through some of the hard times? So I think you immediately address it and not from a distance. I, I believe you need to go right to it, whether it's a issue with a customer, um, don't ignore it, go right to them. I got some great advice some years ago that said, um, separate the message from the delivery of the message. So if a customer yells at you, um, that's probably a good thing because you got it out on the table and you can go, uh, you can go sit with them and, and talk through a solution. So whether it's internal and it's a personnel issue, whether it's a collection issue, whether it's a client issue, whatever it is, I think you should just go there and do it face-to-face if at all possible. And I would contrast that by saying the worst place to resolve an issue is through an email. <laughs> I have my own I have my own reasons to agree with that statement, but where does that statement come from for you? Wait, say that again. Sorry. So I, I agree. I think email screws up a, a lot of relationships and, and increases problems. Yeah. But in your mind, why is that? Um, it's just it's just so easy to misinterpret the words that are typed there. And our human nature, for whatever reason, adds things between the lines, between the words. And uh, miscommunications, it's amazing to me how many of them are done via email because they're done in haste or whatever. Where if you sit down as two human beings, especially face to face, if you're if you're reasonable, even a little bit reasonable, you can usually come to a a really uh, amicable solution. But if you hide behind email, yeah, nothing good really ever happens. Sure. So what about uh, when somebody on your team is sitting down with, with a client who is yelling, who isn't currently being that reasonable? Any tips on helping others become more reasonable? I think you should let them go off. I think you should. And then you should realize that there's going to be really good advice inside there somewhere and that somehow has got really emotional for some reason. Um, and let's get that all out. Um, so the tip is just take it, but step back from it when it's done and say, okay, what did we really learn? Because that gets the emotion out of it on your side. Yeah. Let them blow the wind out of the sails, huh? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's amazing to me, not that I get yelled at very often, but when we have an upset client, it's amazing to me sometimes if you can just get them to tell you straight, even if it's unpleasant, how many times that's turned into one of the best relationship building things ever, because we're going to come back and say, we're going to fix it. We're going to own the mistake. If we made a mistake, even if it was a perceived mistake, then we want to own the answer. Let's fix it for you. Will you give us a chance to fix it? Most people will. And then you really have something good. Sure. Well, um, you you see a lot of businesses, um, obviously, hanging out at Corporate Alliance. You meet a lot more entrepreneurs and CEOs there. Um, when you see mistakes that CEOs or executives are making consistently or, or things to avoid, are there any that come to mind that you feel like you see over and over? Well, the the from a business standpoint, the mistakes that hurt businesses are just poor planning. And in the accounting finance side of it, we see poor, poor planning with cash. Um, like what's an example? Uh, well, there's many examples, but, um, you know, people will manage by their bank balance, sadly. And they'll feel like they have a lot of money today and they, they plow that money into something 
without considering the impact of what what that's going to do to them next week or next month or this quarter. And uh, then that creates some real issues in the business. So, um, you know, there's there's a reason that giant companies spend four or five, six months a year planning and uh, everybody at every level should be planning and thinking about the future, whether it's cash or whether it's strategic planning, et cetera. Yeah. For, for someone who wants to get better at that, any resources, any books, any programs that you feel like stand out or just what should they be looking for on Amazon or. <laughs> You're going to laugh at me, Jess. I mean, uh, maybe it's because we're accountants. So Excel is our Excel is our planning tool um, because we we like to plan the numbers and the cash, and then and then we uh, we build a, a document behind that that talks through all the steps that we need to take um, to do that. But week in week out, we live by our cash planning, and that's been a, we've been able to use that to keep investors out of our business and minimize the use of debt. Um, all those things. And those are, those are things that just help you sleep at night. You know, that's an interesting one, especially if, if you read Warren Buffett and you hear how little debt he takes, even on things that usually people take a lot of debt on, like real estate and, and how many of the businesses he runs with no debt at all. Um, can, can you talk about your opinion there of misuse of debt? Yeah. I, uh, you know, when we worked with companies in the last recession, there were two things that were consistent with everyone that we tried to work with that went out of business. One, they had little or no cash. And two, they all had a lot of debt or leverage. Um, and that seemed to be the death, uh, the death equation. So if you think about the opposite of that, which is living within your means, um, it's almost like that's being forgotten because a lot of startups are you know, funded with other people's money. And, all, and those are good things. There's a lot of software and, and just a lot of businesses that couldn't start otherwise. But depending on your business, you know, you really need to think about that. And, and um, it's interesting, though, you look, you know, it's so easy to say, oh, startups all need venture capital or, you know, we, we hear comments like that sometimes. But then you look at, you know, right here in our state in Utah, companies um, like you look at Pluralsight just went public for three billion dollars. And they bootstrapped that business for the first dozen years. You know, you hear guys like, you know, Josh James from Domo and when he built Accenture and sold it to Adobe. And you hear some of these like really, really successful organizations talk about the discipline of growing a business that actually makes money before taking investment dollars. And uh, sometimes I feel like it challenges the the mindset of, uh, you know, well, I couldn't take a risk on that. We need investors for that Um, instead of maybe some of the discipline of, creating a profitable business. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, um, I've, I've always had the mindset that I needed to live within my means and uh, save money in order to expand. And that's this planning that I was talking about earlier. So we actually uh, will set the money aside before we go somewhere. And uh, you don't have to fret too much. You can make mistakes along the way, um, but it, it's not going to put us under because that's been set aside. And, you know, you can do it. It's it. I mean, sometimes paying taxes to be able to keep money in your business is frustrating for sure, but uh, it's just kind of how it works. So, Yeah, I remember a story about, you know, at different points, Bill Gates would have a year's worth of cash on hand for all of Microsoft, you know, and uh, how that kind of productive paranoia really helped him in the long run. Yeah, and we actually helped companies come up with what that number should be, how much cash they believe they should have on hand, and then help them build plans to... Um, to get there. I love it. Well, listen, what's, what's uh, one final piece of either 
I don't know, the best advice you ever received or something that, that you're passionate about you'd like to get the word out on? Or what's, what's a good thing to close on here? <laughs> uh, that's a good one. I would, um, I would say uh, the, the best advice goes back to a little bit to that. Uh, you know, separate the message from the, the, the delivery of the message in a tough situation, which really goes to if you have a client that's, or a customer that's upset, just go meet them, take your, put your hat in your hand and check your ego at the door. And uh, you, you can usually work through it. Um, and then I guess the second piece is what we were just talking about. You can, it's very possible to grow a business and live within your means. Um, I'm not going to say you're not going to make some sacrifices, but um, it can, it can go well. And I guess lastly, I would say if a, an accountant can do sales, anybody can do it. So <laughs> Those are the things I would say will make a difference. I love it. Well, thanks for making time for this. Hey, good to, good to hear your voice, Jess. Thank you. Appreciate it. You bet. Everybody go to uh, nowcfo.com and, and check these guys out. Thanks again. Thank you.